Hey guys, welcome back to Real Things Podcast. My name is Caitlin, and if you guys have any questions, comments, or insight on anything I bring up in today's episode, you are more than welcome to email realthingspodcast at gmail.com. So today I wanted to kind of touch on the things that I've learned while working with kids, and that's like from the age of 13 up into the young adult that I am, and it's throughout the entire course of my career path and working with kids in general. So from babysitting to substituting classrooms, from interning at different schools, also like working as an education major in general and towards my degree. Um, I worked at a daycare, a latchkey program, um, which is like a before and after school program, Um, just everything in general. So, and I also have my own siblings like younger siblings a lot younger so these are things that I've learned and I also apply them to my everyday relationships um, friendships and family and my future as well so don't just think that I'm talking about just kids when I say these things so first and foremost sorry um, when I go into an interview while working with kids I honestly this is kind of off topic but also related um, when I go into an interview like on any job where I have to work with kids, they ask, you know, okay, so other than, you know, making a difference, I'm using air quotes, making a difference and, you know, inspiring young minds and blah, 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 like the total like cliche responses to this question, why do you want to work with kids? What do you like working about with, or what do you like about working with kids? And my response every time is I like the way that kids think. I like the way that kids approach the situation with their thoughts and, you know, hearing their little brains talk about silly little things I can't even really think of a lot of examples of like the things that I've witnessed or overheard kids say but like the things that the the way that their minds work make my day like honestly I could be in the worst mood of my life and like I could just be super upset or down about something or mad and a kid could say something and it just like completely I like lose it so there is one example that I will share I was talking to one of my um, kiddos who was in third grade at the time and she had a lot of stuff going on at home and I was like, oh, I overheard things in the office being said about this girl because she had a sibling going through a lot of hard stuff um, and he was like in and out of the hospital. Anyway, so this little girl that I was talking to, I was trying to like make a bond with her and make sure that she felt... um, or was getting the attention, I guess, that she kind of was missing out on at home. And it's not, like, because of poor parenting or because of, you know, neglect or any of that. It was just, like, a I overheard and I want to make sure that she was having someone check in on her. So I, I bonded with her a lot and she is a, an awesome kiddo. It has a great mind. She was, like, my shadow. She was, like, my mini-me and she would, like, follow me around um, in fourth grade. She was my go-to helper. I loved it. Um, anyway, so in third, when she was in third grade, there was a time where I was talking to her and she just like randomly asked, she's like, well, where do you live? And I was like, uh, far away. And I live like maybe 15 minutes away at the time. And then she goes, oh, like in Arkansas? I'm like, no. She goes, oh, in Florida? I'm like, no. And she's like, oh, in Little Rock? I'm like, that's in Arkansas, but no. (laughs) And she's like, oh, well, where? I'm like 15 minutes away, like just like 15 minutes down the road. And she goes, oh, that's far away. And then she like spaces out and gets really wide eyed. And she goes, 
that's far, far away. <laughs> it just killed me. I don't know. It's something silly and something stupid, but I think just like, you know, the fact that she asked in Arkansas, Florida, and back to a town in, or like a little, you know, town in Arkansas, I don't know. It just, it, it makes my day. It makes me happy to hear the things they say and to hear their insight, and I'll ask them questions, and they'll you know, give me feedback. It, it just, it makes me happy talking with kids. I, I don't know. I think they're naive and young and they just kind of conspire these big, you know, stories and come up with these uh, theoretical, I don't even know. So it makes me happy hearing kids and like their mindsets and where their minds go just on a regular basis. They don't have that many like worries. They don't think about a lot of things that adults think about. So it just makes me happy. And sometimes they even talk about things they're completely, like, too mature for their age. They'll, you know, go into depth about some subject, like, about how this is going on at home or whatever. I'm like, you should not know all of this. You should not be telling me these things. Um, but, yeah, I mean, that's just the age, and I, I love it. So I'll get into the things that I was going to say originally, but I just wanted to share that little factoid because it is something that is important to me, um, when I go into an interview and working with kids in general, that is the reason that I work with kids. So, or that is one of the reasons that keeps me working with kids. So let's just dive into it. So one of the things that I've learned while working with kids over time and I apply to my everyday life, number one is the three rules when you hurt someone. So when little Johnny comes running up to you as a teacher, a parent, um, you know, an adult, a superior, whatever, and they're like, so-and-so hurt so-and-so, or this happened to so-and-so. You're like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Like, they come into you, like, there's three of them coming at you, telling you all these different stories. You get them to calm down. You're like, okay, what what's going on? Or like, this person hurt me. What What's going on? And then, you know, you finally find out the story, and then you find out that so-and-so hit so-and-so because of some elaborate story of a reason. I don't even care. That person that hurt the other person... I always, you know, find out who it is and I tell them, I get on their level and I calmly explain, you know, if you would have just came up and told me that you hurt them or that this person was hurt, it could have been solved or like resolved so much faster. And I know you probably didn't mean to do that. Or if you did mean to do it, then I find out why. And I tell them like after talking to them and, you know, they apologize, whatever. I say the three rules when you accidentally or hurt someone on purpose are you apologize, you make sure they're okay, and lastly, you go and get an adult and you explain the situation calmly. That's all. And, like, that, you're covering all the bases. You're apologizing to that person, making sure they're good, and you tell an adult. Because, you know what, we have our eyes on 30 different kids, and we don't always have time to go check on that one kid that's on the other side of the playground and make sure that they're good because, you know, there's kids that are, like, doing the most random things. Kids are laying down on the ground because they just want to feel the warm asphalt. I don't even I don't even know. There's kids laying down because they're playing a game and they're dead. I don't like literally like there's so many reasons why a kid could be laying on the ground. I'm not saying that I don't pay attention to kids. I don't say that I'm not observing kids or like I'm like, you know, watching these children. But there's a lot that goes down when you're watching 30 plus children on a playground by yourself. So anyway, that's one thing that I definitely apply to my everyday life because you know when you hurt someone you want to make sure like apologize whether you meant like meant to do that or not when you hurt someone and you check in on them and that will help them to kind of like keep that in their brain and I repeat that to all my kids the same thing I say did you apologize 
Did you um, check on them and make sure that they were okay? Did you ask them if they were okay or if they needed an adult? And did you come tell an adult to make sure that, like, that kid was okay? Because I know you checked on them, but we also need to check on them and make sure that they don't need an ice pack or a report to be written up to be sent home of an injury of some sort or that they're, you know, just good, you know, with the situation. Because you never know. Kids are kind of spiteful. So, anyway, that was the first one. The second one was, I'm reading in the dark, so this is not good. Okay, using the term bad. I wish I would have learned this while working or while studying and going to the university that I went to, like in an everyday class. Um, maybe it was taught, and I just kind of neglected to listen to it. But while I was working in this daycare that I, I had worked at the first two years of um, being in college, I worked at this daycare that my siblings used to go to. So I knew like the staff pretty well and I would write reports. Um, we had to do like injury or accident reports anytime that a kid got hurt or a kid hurt another kid or there was an accident or whatever it was. So, um, whenever I would write in like an incident report, it'd normally be because a kid was getting kind of in trouble or they were misbehaving or just, you know, we had to inform the parents by a document and we had to put it on file. So when I would fill these reports out, I would at at the time use the word bad. Like, okay, this person was being bad. Or like if a parent would come up to me, I'd be like, oh, this kid had a bad day. Well, my superior pulled me aside one day. She's like, just letting you know, um, using the word bad can come across really negatively. And I was like, well, I mean, what do you mean? Like, you know, the kid was bad. But she kind of, like, explained it to me, and then I was like, oh, yeah, you're kind of right. Because she's like, well, imagine having your own kid and, like, hearing, you know, if they're having a rough week or something every single day. Because there were kids like that that got a report or, like, had to be their parents talked to on a regular basis, you know. Having to hear that, like, after working a 40-hour work week and coming to pick up your kid and hearing, hey, your kid had a really bad day. Like, that's not something that you want to hear. So we kind of talked about it and it gave me a better understanding and a better grasp on like how I should word things when talking with parents. I have great parents like communication skills. I love talking with parents and that was probably my favorite part about working at you know the many jobs that I did was talking and having that bond with parents as well. But um recently there was a a time where a parent asked me she was like um hey like, what's going on? Like, did my kid have a bad, or was my kid being bad or whatever? And I kind of looked at my coworker because my coworker was helping me with, with a situation and the parent was picking me up or picking that kid up. And I looked at my coworker because the, the parent was like, oh, did they have a bad day or were they being bad? And my coworker didn't respond. My colleague didn't respond because she didn't really know what to say. But I looked at the mom or the parent and I was like, mom, whatever. I looked at the mom, I'm like, we don't, or I don't like to use the word bad. I don't try to use the word bad. And it actually, I haven't used it in years. I haven't used the word bad when talking about a kid to a parent specifically, um, or even just in general to my colleagues, I don't think. I try to catch myself on that. I think I've kind of, you know, pulled it out of my vocabulary. It's like a filter that goes on and off when I'm talking to parents, but um, yeah, I was like, I don't like using the word bad. Um, I will say that she kind of, like, your daughter had a 
kind of rough moment here or there. Or like I would say, you know, to another parent, like your son kind of had a, a difficult day or like a, like a rough start to the afternoon. But by the end of the afternoon, they were great. Like or we talked about things and I made sure they were good. I would always talk to parents and like just follow up with them and let them know, you know, the simple things. But for sure, that's something that I learned over time. So whether you're babysitting, nannying, working with kids, um, becoming a parent, I just want to let you know that like using the word bad, it's not necessarily the worst thing in the world. There's so many other words that you could use. And I know that parenting and working with kids has kind of become like this really um, embellished, you know, the wording has to be really embellished and has to be really, you know, sensitive and gentle. But it really does. Like you want this kid to, if they constantly hear their parents calling them bad, because not every parent knows that. Not every parent goes to a class where, okay, these are the 10 steps that you need to know about becoming a parent. So that's not something that every kid or every parent even knows. Um, So it's one less person, you know, saying, oh, this person or this kid or whatever was bad or had a bad day. I mean, it's kind of a normal thing for us to have this concept, oh, so-and-so had a bad day or so-and-so was in a bad mood, like whatever. Um, it's not necessarily a bad thing to use it that way, but to call a kid bad, um, it kind of touches on what I mentioned about the logo for, or the, um, image of the fish for this podcast. The reason I chose the fish, you know, if you spend a fish's entire life believing, or if you judge a fish, a fish by its ability to climb a tree, then it'll spend the rest of its life thinking it's stupid. That kind of thing. If you tell a kid if you if they overhear them being called bad over and over and over then they're gonna think that they're bad you know I was in that situation when I was a child too where I was you know called names and I kind of believed it like once you start to hear it on a repeat kind of thing then you kind of like start to believe it so just watching your wording when you're talking about kids giving it giving that positive reinforcement whenever you can which is kind of moving into my next topic um, of giving that positive reinforcement on a regular basis, that's that's everything to a kid. That's everything that they need. So on to my next topic, which is giving positive reinforcement. This is a big one too, only because I think that not a lot of people hear the positives that they're doing. You know, think about your everyday work day or when you're at home and I don't know what age or what level you are in your, or not level, but like what stage you are in your life. But think about your everyday and, or your everyday routine, I guess. And how many positive things do you hear in a day? How many positive, you know, messages, not even about you, about somebody else. Like people gossip, people talk shit, people, you know, are negative. Like people will go to customer, like in customer service industries, they'll go to, the counter and be disrespectful and rude but there's also people that are nice and they're positive and you know that just is everything to like that means everything to people when you're positive and you're nice and you're caring and you actually give a shit for a second like that's nice so I kind of enforce or I not kind of I very much enforce that on the kids too you know you want to give them that praise so whenever they do something that's like pretty cool are awesome. You want to give give them that praise. And it's hard. It's hard to give them the constant praise that they need because I used to, I grew up in a household where, you know, we got pretty much yelled at for a lot of things. So 
and I wasn't a perfect kid. I get it. But I wasn't praised and I, I should have acknowledged that I was doing good. But at the same time, it really makes that like moment so much more noticeable when someone points it out and says like, oh, hey, I noticed you did that awesome work or hey, like thanks for helping me out today. I really appreciate it. Stuff like that. So, you know, whenever I'd be working with kids and I would have like a kid or two help me carry stuff into a classroom or I would have, um, I don't know, or I saw a kid helping another student um, with homework or would just give a, like if a fifth grader give a, gave it like a kindergartner a ball while we were playing dodgeball or something, I'd be like, hey, I saw that. That was really awesome of you. I really appreciate you doing that. You know, that puts a smile on their face and they know in their heart, um, some kids don't like being point, you know, everything pointed out about them being good. So then they kind of like, oh yeah, yeah, whatever. But I mean, it does make them feel good inside. You know, whenever you get noticed at work, whenever you get noticed at school, that, that does something to you that makes you happy. That makes you realize that, Hey, I am being noticed. I'm being, you know, praised for something that I'm doing. If you just constantly hear the negatives, then you're going to think that you're doing bad. You're going to think that you're not doing, I just said bad. I mean, whatever. Um, You're going to think that you're not doing great and that sucks. You don't want to feel that way. So I do think that positive reinforcement and praise is a huge thing. And it's hard when working with kids to constantly be giving them that. But um, we used to make these little like notes we, I did it towards the end of my time working at the elementary school, but we had these little smile sheet notes and there was little check boxes on there and it was like, okay, this is going to so-and-so because they did the following and like you could check off different boxes. Like they were, you know, helpful to a teacher. They were helpful to a friend. They went above and beyond. They did something new or tried something new today, blah, 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 blah. There was all these different boxes and um, you could sign it your name and I would always write a little something because I thought it was more personal personal to write a little note on there than just to sign my name and check a box and write a kid's name and that be it. So I would, you know, say, hey, thank you so-and-so for doing this. I would write the specific thing that they did and we would put it on this whiteboard and the parents could pick it up at the end of the day or beginning of the day whenever they would come in. And the amount of kids that were so ecstatic to see that they got something and like the parents that would, you know, say, hey, so-and-so, you did that? That's awesome. Like, good job, bud. Or good job, kiddo. Like, that was great. Or keep it up. Like, they would say, like, they would be so happy. And, like, that was amazing. It made me so happy seeing the parents got to, you know, take something home with them that showed that their kids are doing something to make an impact. Anyway, I'll stop, like, delving into that one. But, um, okay, this is this is a good one too. So I always believe, you know, there's different types of learning. There's auditorial, which is, you know, listening. There's visual, which is seeing. And then there's kinesthetic, which is hands-on learning. So I am definitely a visual and kinesthetic person. I think that a lot of people can be multiple or all three or whatever, or just one. But um, I think everyone's smart in their own way, which is, it sounds kind of obvious, but I guess when working with kids, it was kind of hard because I would, you know, get on kids for not being, you know, where I needed them to be at that moment. I'd be like, hey, like, I need you to, like, pick up the pace or I need you to, like, 
get on our level and to, you know, try. So one of the biggest things is like we would do escape rooms and I would have the kids work in different groups. Um, originally I was going to have them do partner work, but I realized it was more beneficial and the the grade that I worked with, the grade, sorry, I don't even know what I just said. The grade that I worked with at the time was fourth grade. So they're kind of like in that stage where like, oh, boys and girls have cooties, whatever. I don't know. They're weird. And we're, we were all at that stage. But um, they would normally kind of divide up on their own, like boys versus girls. But I just let it happen because, you know, whatever. Pick your battles. But um, the big thing was that I knew that some of my kids, especially the boys in this particular situation or scenario they were ranging from like very introverted or they were they had some sort of like mental disability or something that would kind of hold them back like a social awkwardness kind of thing um or I had my boys that were just like diehard sports fans and were just had to be the class clown that kind of thing so it it was kind of a struggle and my girls there were some of those too like where I had, like, a couple of them that were very introverted, very shy, very just kept to themselves and were just there. But they would also do the work and, like, whatever. They wouldn't fight me on it. My boys would definitely try to fight me on things. Anyway, um, whenever we would do the escape room, normally it would be, like, a couple of clues. And I would give the boys one clue, the girls, like, another clue. And then whenever they got finished, I'd give them another clue as, like, a whole until like we got the whole thing figured out and done then we would just be like yay we worked together we solved it hoorah um but watching the way that they communicate with one another you know I would always have to point out be like hey is so-and-so participating hey make sure like that you're getting their insight um some of my girls would get really into it and start like yelling at the other girls and be like I- I'm trying to tell them that the answer is this but they won't listen to me I'm like well hey did you calmly explain to them they're like yeah I did so I think that you kind of have to, like, work with your group in trying to pair them um, into different groups that help them and will help them succeed. I had kids that were just completely unmotivated, did not want to do any work. Um, When they saw that there was, like, you know, math or any sort of, like, quote-unquote learning or homework attached to the idea of it, they were just, like, not about it. I had my kids that were just very creative and wanted to build things with Legos and to create things and do art. And then I had kids that would resent me for the rest of my life if I even tried to give them a piece of construction paper to do anything. So, um, they were like big sports people or kids or they were like big athletic people, whatever. Um, I also had, you know, my girls that just wanted to sit there and talk. I had my boys that wanted to, go outside every day. I had my group of kids that just wanted to do Sudoku and word searches and, um, connected, like extreme connected dots or whatever. There's so many, so much variety in my group that I, I struggled. I really did struggle to come up with like lessons or something for them to do every day. But I definitely think that, you know, everyone's smart in their own way. Everyone has like their unique, about them and things that they like and dislike so I think it's just a matter of like trying to figure out what is their smart like their unique smartness for like towards are they creative are they big into athletics are they good at athletics are they 
you know, good at working with animals? Are they good at working with other people? Are they just going to be introverted and want to play on their own? Are they going to share? Are they going to, I mean, it's all over the place. Are you going to have kids that are just going to like threaten you every single day to, that you wish that, that you were dead? Sure. Absolutely. I had tons of those kids, but you know, you just, you just gotta do it. It's, it is the way it is. But, um, just remember that, you know, everyone's smart in their own way. You don't have to force them to do anything. But that was like the biggest struggle for me is trying to not get my kids to do something and just let them kind of do whatever they wanted to do. Because I was also working at a before and after school program. It wasn't like, you know, I was their sole teacher. I had to remind myself that. I told them, I'm like, you know, I want you guys to have fun. And like, I would have kids that would fight me on having fun. They would throw tantrums and, you know, threaten to get me fired because they weren't having fun and they weren't doing what they wanted to do while the rest of the group wanted to do a completely different activity. So just keep in mind that, you know, you kind of, you got some great, great options. Um, Great, some great memories. But yeah, that's one of them. I don't know if you got any of that information from that topic because it kind of just went off the deep end, but whatever. Um, if you take away, you have to give back. Okay. So this one I also kind of struggled with. So when you're working with kids and let's say that you have, you know, a boy or a girl, doesn't really matter. And they're kind of being a jerk that day, or they're just being disrespectful and they're in a bad mood or, I mean, I just said bad again. Anyway, you get the point. Um, they're not in a great mood. And let's say that one of the kids is just like, actually, for example, I had a really competitive kid, really competitive, like next level, would get so frustrated, blamed everything on everyone. It was horrible. Um, I felt bad for him because he just was so competitive and I'm competitive. I'm very competitive and I hate that I am so competitive in the way that I am. But anyway, um, he would get frustrated, but he was a really good kid. He really was. And I would always pull him aside and be like, hey, like, you're good. Just take a breather. I would tell him that in the gym there was this wall. I told this to all the kids that there was this wall that if I asked you to go sit on the wall to take a break, it wasn't because you were in trouble. It, or it wasn't just like a sign that you were in trouble because sometimes we had to have kids sit out because they were being just straight up mean and jerks. Um, but I was like, you know, sometimes the wall is just needed so you can take a break and take a breather and just, you know, reset, like rest and reset and come back and you'll be good. So I told this kid, I was like, listen, like, um, I think he like threw a ball at somebody in the face, like on purpose or like I had a lot of situations like that, but I told him, I was like, Hey, just go to the wall and then you'll be good. And he fought with me over and over and over and I was like, you know what? Just, just sit out. I'm done. I'm really done. So, cause I was dealing with a bunch of stuff and dealing with a bunch of kids coming at you screaming because so-and-so like stepped over the line while they're playing dodgeball and they should be out. Like there's just times where you just don't even want to deal with it. I'm not going to lie. I try. I really do try, but I have that like every five minutes, um, for like an hour straight and I have a migraine by 8 a.m. So I'm good. I, I, I can do without. So I think my biggest thing that I struggled with was that once I took something away, like if I told a kid, you know, you're not, we're not playing this game, like you're going to go sit out and until the next round, 
um, I would kind of, you're like, you've lost at that point. You, you took away from them. Now they're, they're just turned off. Like their body, their, um, emotions, they're just turned off. Um, they don't have the want or need to come back into the game. They have no way to earn it back. So whenever you're taking something away from a kid, you need to give them incentive or like give them a way to earn something back. So, I mean, for example, if you take away a recess, which is another topic I'll bring up, if you say, okay, like if you don't stop acting out or if you, if I have to warn you again, or if I have to talk to you again about doing the same thing for the 50 millionth time, um, like throwing a ball at Johnny's face because he stepped over the line of dodgeball and you were just bad and upset about it and there's no reason for you to throw the ball at Johnny's face, then if I had to keep reminding you, then I'm going to take away recess or I'm going to take five minutes away from your recess. And then, you know, they talk back or they make a comment or they're being a jerk again. So you're like, okay, do you want it to be 10 minutes? Um, and then like they get up to like 15 minutes or whatever. Then you kind of, kind of lost your game there. So you have to go back and you sit down. I would always, I would always go back. I don't care how mad or tired or upset I am at them. You always go back and you talk to them because they are a kid. They are a person. They have feelings. And you know what? You have to understand that although they don't get it, you do. So you go back and you talk to them and say, hey, listen, I understand you are frustrated. And sometimes they're not even going to listen to you say that. So you walk away and give them more time. Um, maybe they don't, they don't even want to listen to you at all. I've had so many of those moments. But I would talk to these kids till I was blue in the face and I don't care. That's how I was. So I'd go back and I would tell them, hey, like if you want um, to earn your recess back or like earn time back on your recess, um, I want to I see you come back into the, into the game. But I need you to apologize to those kids that you hurt. And I need you to prove to me that you can, you know, become or be a part of this group again. And that means being respectful to others. And if you get upset, then you can't control others' actions. You need to take it, take a minute. And if you need or have the, the need or feeling that you're frustrated to the point where you feel like you need to throw a ball at someone's face again, then just take, take a time or take a time out and go on the wall. Like, I'm not going to be upset with you if you walk away from the group and just sit out for a minute to take a breather. And sometimes that would work and sometimes that wouldn't. Or sometimes it wouldn't, but um, you just kind of have to play around with different ideas. The amount of times I try different things, I can't even tell you. I, it makes me have a migraine just thinking about it. It gives me a migraine just thinking about it. Um, I'm craving Tylenol right now. Um, so, yeah, I think whenever you take something away, you always want to give them a way to earn something back. Otherwise, you have lost their attention. They don't care anymore. They hate you. The end. Um, you don't want that. So, yeah. Um, the next one is, oh, perfect. It falls right in, right in line with what I was saying. Recess and outside time, they, the kids need that. Or if it's raining or whatever and you have the ability to go into the gym, any recess, free time, um, like mental brain breaks, whatever the hell it is, kids need that. In order to succeed, the kids need that. And my first class I ever took at um, the college I went to or the university I went to, they drilled that into our head. I had one professor who constantly, every class I had with her, she would drill it into our head. She said that recess is needed. Like you cannot, do not take away their recess. They need it. 
And I live by that. I definitely do. I was like, oh, she's crazy. Like I had, you know, teachers that took my recess away. I don't like they don't get it or she doesn't get it. But I've witnessed it. You know, they these kids need it. They need to go outside. They need to run around. If they're being the biggest pains in the butt and they're driving you up a freaking wall and you take away their recess, you have, again, lost it. You've lost the game. They're not going to listen to you. They hate you. They want you dead. They want you fired. So you just need to take a minute and, you know, remember you are in control of your actions. <laughs> it's hard coming from, you know, kids, you know, yelling at you, screaming at you or whatever. Um, but you don't take away their recess. Do not take away their free time. Do not take away their brain breaks. Do not take away, you know, their indoor recess. I don't care what it is. You don't take it away. Or if you, like, say, you know what, you owe me five minutes of recess, you give them a way to earn it back in some way, shape, or form. And that's how you build that respect and, like, that um, that will to earn or, like, change their behavior. Um, it makes an impact. It really does. So do not take away their recess. That's what I'm going to end that with. Um, the next one is, oh, this is a huge one, too. So this is something that I've learned. I don't even know where I learned it from, honestly. I think we had to watch a video about this, but it was just like touched on and it stuck with me too. You have to say their names, say the kids' names, to have a conversation with them. I made it my mission that anytime that I was taking attendance, um, you know, anytime that I would, you know, see a kid, I would try to say their name. I'd be like, hey, so-and-so how are you today? Or what's going on? What happened with you today? Blah, blah, like anything, anything. There was like, I think that was, this is part of the video. I don't even remember the, like the stat or the, the, um, not stat. What's it called? The percentage, I guess, of the amount of kids, but there was like some, I'm blanking so bad. There was like some sort of study or something done, I guess, where there was like, um, I'm blanking so bad. I'm so sorry. Whatever. I'm moving on. So there was like some sort of thing that was being said in this video or documentation or class, whatever, wherever I saw this from, it stuck with me. I just don't know where it's from, but it was saying there was like, it was like, you don't know how many kids go throughout the school day. Like from the minute they walk into the building to the minute that they leave and go home, how many kids go home without their name being said or, like, anyone talking to them once? And I was like, there's no way. But there's definitely kids that I, like, forget about. If I'm, like, taking role and I'm, I'm like, I swear I got every kid. Like, if I could write down every kid's name off the top of my head from my group or from this class or whatever, I would try. And I would always miss one. It's like trying to name all 50 states. You can't do it. Like, or I guess maybe you can if you, like, memorize that stupid song. But, like, you can't do it from, like, just the top of your memory. You always forget at least one and you don't have, you have no idea what it is. You completely blink. You forget and you just have to backtrack and it's so hard. Um, but anyway, so that's what I kind of compare it to. But you need to say their name. Um, you know, there's principals. There's, you know, sped teachers. There's inspector teachers. There's nurses. There's counselors. People in the hallway um, that I'm sure like wave to kids or whatever, or, you know, the teacher themselves, like other than saying the attendance, you make sure that you say every kid's name at least once throughout the day, 
because no kid needs to feel like that their teacher has favorites. That is the most annoying thing that I, like, think growing up, um, going to high school, like, I was not a popular kid, and I don't care to be, but um, those kids that peaked in high school definitely had every teacher wrapped around their finger, and it was the most annoying shit ever, let me tell you. I hated that crap, and I definitely did have kids that thought I had favorites, but I tried to treat every kid, you know, the same. I definitely had kids that clung to me a little bit more, and I definitely, like, would go to them and talk about things or ask them for help because I knew that they were reliable, And I had kids, you know, it's hard to not have, like, those kids that are your go-tos almost. But I definitely tried to um, spread my quote-unquote favoritism towards everyone. And, you know, kids would ask me all the time, who's your favorite kid or who's your favorite student? I'd be like, all of you. I love you all equally. And, yes, I told my kids that I love them because they deserve to hear that. And it's true. I do love all my kids equally, every single one of them. I treat them as if they're my own. Um, but anyway, so I definitely think that, you know, saying their name other than attendance, other than roll call makes a big impact on them. And it just feels good. Like think about a time where you, you know, were at work or something. Like how often do you hear a name being said at work when someone like your significant other, your friends say your name, it kind of feels good. Like not going to lie. It does. It feels good to have your name said at some point. So keep that in mind. Um, model and set an example this one kind of frustrates me because it's just like every time I hear set an example I hear my parents in the back of my head saying you're the older sister you you like you're setting an example for your younger like your younger siblings and it's just like drilled into my head I'm like yes I know I was setting an example for my younger siblings I get that but at the same time I'm still a kid so just back off get off my back I want to have fun with my siblings and not be a secondary parent because you guys get mad at me when I'm a secondary parent and I try to discipline or step in, you know, the way of parenting in in general. But pulling myself out of that perspective, um, I definitely think setting a good example for kids and modeling for them is everything. Um, I say that about everything is, but whatever. Setting a good example, modeling for them, that was always a big thing that was told to us while I was studying education. Um, It was always model, 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 model. So, you know, and that was just, like, mostly and mainly applied to, like, you know, direction and instructions and schoolwork and any sort of thing related to instructing and teaching, but also... In general, like, you know, if you say please and thank you to everyone, like, even your kids, say please and thank you to your kids. If you're a parent, if you're a teacher, if you're babysitting, say please and thank you. My parents would always get on me and say, you know, you need to say please and thank you, but the amount of times they said it to me, like, I could maybe count on one hand in a week how many times they have told me please and thank you. So, you know, just like something simple as that. Just make sure you do it because don't expect, don't be a hypocrite and expect your kids to do something when you're not even doing it. I mean, I would always tell my kids, you know, make sure you don't sit on the tables. And sometimes I would sit on the tables and like, but you're sitting on the tables. I'm like, just leave it alone. But they knew me and like, I, I'm being a hypocrite in that moment, but you can't set a good example for everything. I'm sorry. It's just, it's hard. 
especially when they think you're cool because I was pretty cool. I'm not going to lie. I was a pretty cool teacher or like instructor, facilitator, whatever. And um, I was sassy with my kids. So they definitely were sassy with me. And that was kind of bad, but or whatever. But uh, yeah, so moving on, because now I feel like I'm just being cocky about it, even though I'm trying not to be. Um, punishment. Hmm. Punishment, punishment, punishment. I don't even know where to go with this one. What did I write down? Um, okay. I guess punishment at home and at school. Just keep your cool. I'm going to, I'm just going to say that when I think of punishment, I think of keep your cool because it's hard to not get heated and upset with a kid. Like, if they lie to you, if they break something, it's hard. Like, if a kid at my work or my brother or sister, like, broke my phone, like, you know how I'm upset, like, you would be if someone just, like, broke your phone? Like, not intentionally or maybe intentionally, but um, sometimes I would just give the kids, like, at my work, especially the mom look is what my mom and my sister would call it. It's kind of where you, like, give them, like, this glare and you, like, raise an eyebrow and you're just like, what are you doing? Remember your place and don't step out of line. (laughs) Like, and the kids normally can catch on. If I would be talking to a parent, it was, like, my favorite thing ever. (laughs) It's so weird. I'm such a psychopath, I swear. Um, I'd be talking to a parent and I saw, like, a kid, like, climbing on a table or doing something and I would just kind of, like, stare at the kid and give them, like, the mom look. And they would be like, oh, shit, Miss Caitlin's going to kick my ass unless I just, like, step back in line. I'm like, yeah. Or, like, I would snap at them and, like, point at the ground if I was telling them to get down. Um, it was kind of like a a nonverbal way of communicating to them. Like, hey, get your shit in check before I have to check you myself. Like, it was a, it was a good thing. I liked having that, like, feeling towards them. But at the same time, it was like, you know... They were, they knew, even my kids would, like, recite back to me. (laughs) There was this one time that I had, I'm, like, all over the place. I'm so sorry, but, you know. Um, There was this one time, those giant ball, like, containers or, like, those giant things at Walmart or Target where there's, like, you know, big, giant inflatable balls, like, in this cage kind of thing. You see people, like, jumping in these things, like, at, like on videos or whatever at Walmart or whatever. Um, but those balls that you would, like, grab out of this giant cage and, like, bounce around the store and your parents would, like, just be like, put it back. You don't need it. Blah, blah, blah. Anyway, I bought one of these giant ball things. It was, like, a foot and a half in diameter, I want to say, um, for the kids for the summer. I bought this giant ball so they could kick it around this field. And it was just, like, a bigger version of soccer I guess and they loved it they absolutely loved it but one of the things I would tell the kids before we went outside I was like because I had a lot of rambunctious and troublesome boys so they would kind of get into some shit and I'd be like you know again I'd give them the like the mom look or something or I would tell them like check yourself before you wreck yourself kind of deal but I would have the kids recite this thing back to me every time that we brought this ball outside I was like guys I bought this ball and if you pop this ball what happens and they're like you'll pop us. And I was like, if you pop the ball, I pop you. Like, and I meant it as a joke, but also kind of seriously, but they knew it was a joke, but also kind of serious. And I'm pretty sure that a lot of parents knew about it, but oh well. So, I mean, I I was pretty strict with my kids, but I was also like the fun one. And like the parents, like I was pretty cool with a lot of the parents. There were some parents that were like, who the fuck is this bitch? Why does she look like she's like 
hungover every day, even though I wasn't. I was just tired and I was cranky and mean. And why does she drink Starbucks every fucking day? And she probably looks like a stuck-up bitch. Anyway, moving on. So, yeah, I, mm, whatever. So, <laughs> yeah, punishment, keep your cool. Um, my kids would kind of know, like, when, where the line was. And sometimes they would definitely push my limits or, like, their limits. And I would definitely push back because I was sassy. But I was also the fun one and cool one. And I was kind of laid back. One of my favorite memories, actually, this is kind of off topic, but also relevant. One of my favorite memories ever of working with kids um, was when my boss, my coordinator, she gave us a bunch of these ceramic little castle things like that we were supposed to paint. And at this time, I had fourth and fifth grade combined. This was like three summers ago. And um, I kind of was like, oh, my gosh, why do I... Like, I'm not going to make my kids paint these little castle things unless they actually want to. But I had the most rambunctious group. The most rambunctious group. That was, like, the craziest summer I've ever had. And they were just, like, all over the place. These kids were just, ugh. But I loved them to death, you know? You, you, you can't not love them. I'm not going to lie. So, I had these ceramic castle things. And we had one for every kid. And at the time, my boss was not there. She was out of town. But my, like, the person below her, who was, like, the next in line, she was really laid back. She was about to retire. So I was like, hey, can I have the kids break them? And I knew she was going to be like, what? Or, like, like not, like, care because she was about to retire in the next year. So she, or, like, next two years. So she was just like, eh, go for it. Like, whatever. She didn't really think I was going to do it. Well, I definitely did it, and it was the coolest thing ever. Those kids loved the fact that I did that, and I even told them, I was like, all right, who wants to break some stuff today? And they're like, woo! Like, you know, I got so many points that day, I'm not gonna lie. It was the best. So, I took the kids all out back, and they all got this, like, ceramic castle thing. I also gave them water balloons, and we just threw it at the side of the school, I got a video of it, and they just shattered these ceramic castles into smithereens, and then they threw these giant black um, water balloons at the wall, too, just for the heck of it, because they didn't have water, uh, water clothes or, like, an extra set of clothes to change out of, so definitely got brownie points for them, or from them for that, so not gonna, you know, toot my own horn again, but I definitely was the coolest facilitator that summer. So, yeah, that was a kind of off-topic story, but whatever. Moving on. Um, okay, chores. Eh. Chores, I think, is just, like, you can't expect kids to do things. Like, if you, like, if someone asked you, this is, like, a common thing. If someone asked you to do something, you don't want to do it. You want to do it when you want to do it. Like, if I ask you hey, can you clean the kitchen or, do the, like, do the dishes? You don't want to do it anymore. I know I don't. If my mom asked me to do the dishes, I don't want to do it anymore. I'm like, no, I don't. I'm sorry. I want to be helpful. I I'm, I normally am helpful, but I want to do it, like, when I want to do it because, I like, I know it's going to be, like, appreciated and noticed. But now that you ask me, you're not going to appreciate it as much because you had to ask me, if that makes sense. Um, like... I would have chores to do every weekend 
and my mom would get on me to do them and I was just like no I don't want to do them like I would fight her on it and I felt bad because I knew that like she needed the help and I was just being a spoiled brat and like I was just not in the mood to do it but it doesn't help when you're getting nagged to do something so I think that like that just applies to everyday life when someone asks you to do something you're just like sure yeah but because you had to ask me or remind me to do it no I'm not gonna get the credit that I wanted because when you do something just for like the feel like you know you do something because you're like this person will appreciate if I do this like my wife will appreciate if I do the chores or do do the chores do the dishes or clean the bathrooms or you know make the bed or something like that or like my husband will appreciate if I you know you know I don't know do his like wash his clothes do the laundry or make him dinner like stuff like that then they're like oh my gosh that was so unexpected thank you so much like that kind of thing then you get like that validation and that like appreciation and that like warm fuzzy feeling inside that makes you just like so happy that you could cry and scream and laugh and like (laughs) anyway so yeah that definitely is um applied to everyday life so if you want your kids to do something you have to like entice them to want to do it on their own I guess, or, like, to be helpful on their own, which is very hard because you, like, want them to develop responsibility and independence on their own, but sometimes it's hard. So, I I didn't grow up in a household like that, but there's definitely parents where their kids are little saints, and I'm just like, how did you get your kid to be so helpful and just, like, willing to do anything? And they're like, oh, they're definitely not, like, not like that at home, so I have no idea, but I wish I could tell you, like, this is how to make the perfect child, but... I don't know. I honestly have no idea. So, there you go. Also, um, being ungrateful. So, this is the last thing that I'll bring up on this topic because I've been speaking for so long. Oh my gosh, almost an hour. Ew. Okay, so, with being ungrateful, I was honestly told that I was being ungrateful a lot growing up because I didn't realize how spoiled I was. And I wasn't, like, trying to be spoiled. Like, I was, like, a pretty decently spoiled kid. Like, I wasn't trying to be, like, that one bitch from um, Willy Wonka on the Chocolate Factory that wants, I want the goat or the golden egg right now or, like, whatever. It's, like, Veronica or something. I don't know. I feel like a lot of people are going to hate that I don't know her name, but whatever. That girl that was just, like, I want an Oompa Loompa right now, Dad, or something like that. That girl, like, I hate, ugh gross gross but every parent that like has quote unquote ungrateful kids and they spoil their kids I'm pretty sure view their child as that girl from Willy Wonka on the Chalk Factory because it's true I get it I understand it but at the same time they're not trying to be not like uh, hear me out I, I know that people are gonna be like well actually I know someone that's really like annoyingly ungrateful and blah or I know this one kid or I was like that or my parents or what uh, everyone has one person that they know is like legitimately ungrateful but I'm talking about the the people that just are naturally spoiled I was a very naturally spoiled child because I don't know I don't know why I don't know how but I was and I know that I acknowledge that I'm not trying to be like this cocky whatever but like I was given a lot and like I had a lot to be grateful for as a kid but I just like wasn't because I was like oh this is normal and like when I would ask for something else or like when I would do like or want more I I knew that I was asking for too much but it was like I was unaware that I was being ungrateful so 
one specific example that I can think of um, in my household is that one year, it was my brother's birthday, and he was getting, or he asked for an Xbox for his birthday. So, my parents got him, like, um, a pre-owned or, like, a used Xbox with a bunch of games, like, off of, I don't know, like, eBay or something. And honestly, normally, my parents buy brand new things, like, brand new consoles and stuff like that, but... I think they did that at a young age for him because he was so young that they were, like, scared he was going to break something because, I mean, not to say that I didn't break anything when I was a kid, like, three DVD players or whatever, but just saying that maybe they had some, you know, reason (laughs) to buy something that was used, but I don't know. So, my brother, like, was opening this gift... And he opened, like, got this, like, this, uh, not brand new, but the Xbox 360, he got a bunch of games, and then he kind of looked at my parents, because, like, that whole idea of, like, okay, as you get older, you want, like, more expensive, but you get less, because it's more expensive kind of concept, didn't really hit him yet, so he looked at my parents and was like, is that all? And the look on their face, their jaws hit the floor, hit the floor, they were so mad, they are like, are you kidding me? And I was just like, I I get it. Like, I really do get it. Like, why? Like, both sides. I got both sides. So, I think being ungrateful, like, it also goes into your adult life where you're just like, you don't really know that you were ungrateful. Like, I'm not saying everyone's ungrateful because I know, like, not everyone was spoiled or, like, maybe you, like, didn't have anything and, like, you've grown to appreciate more as you got older and, like, you'll spoil your kids one day or, like, you'll just, you know, have that concept of, oh, well, I didn't get enough, so they're not going to get enough, like, growing up. I don't know. The ungrateful aspect, or the being grateful and ungrateful aspect is kind of, like, a weird topic for me because, you know, I try to be humble about the things that I get. I try to be decent and, like, not being like, oh, well, my parents have, you know, they're middle class, but they're, like, upper middle class or something. Like, I don't like being like that. And, you know, I like to work hard for what I, for what I do. And, like, I kind of don't like the, I mean, no disrespect to anybody if you're listening to this and your parents help you out because I think it's awesome. And, you know, everyone says, like, you should have your parents help you out for as long as you can. But I think I just appreciate more when I work hard for it and I get to pay for my own things, like getting my nails done, having my own place, like my own apartment, um, you know, just, like, stuff like that, paying for my own car, my phone, everything, insurance, everything, so I've always wanted to be like that from, like, day one of having a job, so I think I was more humbled along the lines of, like, okay, like, I worked hard, I earned this, but my parents also did spoil me still, like, for holidays and for just in general, they would spoil me, so, um, I don't know, I I don't like the idea of being ungrateful and grateful, but, or, sorry, let me start over. I just want to point out that people that are or kids that are ungrateful or are grateful, they have different hmm, upbringings, households, incomes. Like, it's not their fault. Like, calling a kid ungrateful or, like, you know, spoiled at a young age, like I was, like, my parents used to be like, you're being ungrateful, like, you're spoiled. That's not my fault. That's just, like, how I grew up. I'm sorry. I'm, like, you don't have a concept of, like, a lot of things when you're a kid. So, 
if a kid seems like they're being ungrateful, just know that they they don't know any better. Like, they were spoiled. Like, I was just given things because people, I mean, one family member in particular tried to buy my love a lot of the time, and I didn't realize that, that that's what they were doing, so I idolized that person, but, you know, it's hard. It's hard to not see through that crap. So, when you're a kid, you're naive as hell, and I'm still naive, and, you know, you're blind by all the things that you're surrounded with. So, you know, you could be ungrateful. You could be grateful. I don't really know where I'm going with this anymore. So I guess that's all the things I had to bring up today. I talked for a very long time. This is probably my longest episode yet. And that's annoying because I don't like having long podcasts, but, or like talking and listening that long, but Props to you if you made it this far in, and I appreciate you guys listening. I hope you have a great day. I'm going to get a... So, good night.